Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to another episode of Words and Nerds, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. I'm super excited today to be joined by none other than Kate Temple, who has written more than 20 books with her writing partner, Joel. But The Dangerous Business of Being Trilby Moffat is her first solo book, which is fascinating. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. Welcome, Kate. Hi, Danny. How's it going? I'm pretty excited to be talking about the dangerous business of being Trilby Moffat for many reasons. But first of all, can you hit me with an elevator pitch? I can try, Danny. Um, (laughs) Trilby Moffat, the dangerous business of being Trilby Moffat is about a girl called Trilby and uh, she has to flee her home because of a mystery illness uh, that is sweeping the world. And uh, she has to flee her home to a remote antique shop on the edge of time. And while she is there, she is promoted to the most important job in time, which is the timekeeper. That was fantastic. I was I, actually, I was settling in for a bit of a story there, but I realised you were thinking, Well, there is a story. That, that was but great. Problem with that. I think we got from floor, well, we got to floor one, maybe floor four. <laughs> it's okay. We've, had to I've get gotten out. to floor 72 before with someone and they've, they've retold me the whole story, which is great. It's like story time. Now, what I really loved about this is Chubby Moffat herself, I find that particularly a lot of books that have, you know, danger and adventure, they're boy protagonists. So I really like that Trilby is a girl. Not that it even matters, but I just thought it was interesting. How did this story come to be? Yeah. um, Well, the fact that she is a girl is interesting for me too because I am a um, a mum of two boys and uh, I wanted uh, consciously to write a book that had a female protagonist but felt like a book that boys would read mm-hmm. and so I really um, I thought a lot about what it was that um, boys uh, do reach for in books I thought a lot about what kids reach for in books but I just also had that that thought in my head and uh, one of the things that I think that it's really important for you know any reluctant reader but certainly um, I thought for my two boys is humor and I wanted to write a book that was, you know, in this genre that isn't actually a very funny genre. Like I don't necessarily find fantasy to be, you know, um, hijinks and hilarity, but I wanted to write a fantasy book that was, that had a lot of fun in it and felt really hilarious in, in parts. And I think that humour will make a reader reach up and it will make a reader who's moved on maybe to YA even, you know, reach back, you know, to to read those books. So those were things that were really important to me. Uh, and I, I loved writing this female protagonist. I, you know, actually I was thinking back, talking to Joel about some of our main characters in our books, and it occurred to me that 
we have a lot of surprise female protagonists and I didn't even realize it. Like <laughs> even in the underdogs, you know, Fang, the cat is a female protagonist, you know, she's in this, this, uh, this dog town world, but she's a female protagonist, Alice Tooley. It's like, oh, actually there are all these, these unusual girls in our books. Which is definitely what we need. I think we need more of it. And you're exactly right because kids should be picking up books because they want to read the story and they want to know what happens and they love the characters despite the whole, you know, who the protagonist girl or boy. So I thought this was really cool in that it would it appeal to all readers. I mean, I guess that was the plan. But I like the idea of humour. Now, it's really hard to be funny, right? Or do you find this easy? Uh, I like being funny. I don't. <laughs> I think it gets me into trouble sometimes, but I, I feel comfortable being funny and I feel comfortable being funny on the page. I think it's about honesty mm-hmm. when I write things that are funny I feel um closer to that work and I feel like that feels very that feels honest and I think that's what we strive for as writers to kind of you know hit that insight where you go yeah that's that's not fake I've, I've got the authenticity right and for me that feels I I feel that more frequently when I write mm, funny I like that do you test that out on your own children yeah but look as you know Danny your own children are terrible oh they hate everything you do <laughs> they're so they 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 um you know they're they're book kids you know they've grown up with um par- both their parents as writers uh from from the beginning and uh you know they're very very savvy about books they love reading but they are you know they um they will give you their opinion mm. and they are very useful because I actually read the book to them as I was writing it and in real time and so that gave me a fantastic insight because if they were listening and they were interested then I knew that it was working it helped me to read it out loud because I had the pacing gave me that sense of oh this is a book that a librarian or a teacher could read out loud or a parent and then it also helped me because when I came back to them with editorial notes that I had and there were those questions like, is this too much? Is this too dark? Is that too rude? Is that character too awful to the children? Those were the things where like, if you change that, we're going to be really cross. <laughs> it was wonderful to have them outraged on my behalf. And I was like, yeah, no, that character's staying rude. <laughs> I love that. And they are, and they are so honest because you're right, you know, they, particularly your kids growing up with two writers, but there is truth to that. You know, whenever my kids have been brutally honest about anything I've tried to write, um, I go back to it a day and I'm like, oh, they're right. Like, it's not actually as funny as I thought it was. So <laughs> I'll go back. <laughs> they're the best, worst editors ever. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm. I mean, look, it, as a writer, you have to have, um, you know, that awful combination of um, being very sensitive to the world, but also mm. I know skin because rejection yeah. is is part of every day for any creative person um and uh, children have the ability to get kind of between both of those things you know I said it's a really weird space when you're a writer and you do have to have that vulnerability and sensitivity and feeling about the world but then there's so much rejection in writing and so you have to then go I'll flip over that sort of sensitive side now I've got to be tough and keep writing because not everything we write is probably going to get published I don't know if you've had a different experience Kate no, I mean, that's exactly my experience. Uh, you know, um, I've been doing creative jobs uh, for a very, very long time, even before I did did this one. And and um, I, I'm very resilient because, you know, I like to do this work and I, I know that to do it, you 
just keep coming up with new ideas. Um, I'm not afraid to throw things out either. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I'm also not afraid to know when it's good and when I really believe in it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that makes me very annoying, but it's, <laughs> but it's, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's being a writer, you know, you have yeah. to, and I think also I'm, at the moment I'm writing Trilby too, and I'm going through that editorial process um, where you have the structural notes on things. Mm -hmm. and I have writer friends who love writing and they will say, oh, I just love that editorial process. I find it really reflective and I really enjoy that. And I don't like anything about it. I don't <laughs> like anything about it. I would be happy to just press send and publish and print on the first one. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, we've done this. And then the edit and I'm not saying it doesn't get better through that process. It does get better, but I don't like anything about it. You just wish someone else could do it for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. They, I they can't, but I do wish that. And I don't necessarily like doing that part of the writing. And I mm. think that's a weird thing about writing anyway, is it's not always fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. And I like it when people talk about that honesty of it, because even, you know, I was talking to a writer the other day about breaking the spine of your manuscript. You know how you're just writing, you know, it's not right. And you're writing and you keep writing and you still know it's not right. And you keep rewriting and it's only you finally hopefully get to a point where you're like oh i know what i had to do or didn't do right or scrap this it's a it's a it's a good moment but you just don't know when it's coming well in this case uh i wrote the book twice because i wrote the entire book 50 60 65 000 words the first time i wrote it and i had that feeling and i knew after I had it that I had to start the entire book again from scratch and I wrote the entire book again from scratch without looking at the first one at all wow um, and it was heartbreaking to do that but I I knew what I had to do and I knew if I did do that hard thing it would be fabulous. Mm. So what uh, what were the changes? Can you remember what the specific oh, changes were? Significant. Like first of all, there was an I put a narrator in. The book's narrated by um a, the last uh, a thylacine, an extinct mm -hmm. thylacine with a law degree. So that wasn't in there before. One of the big reasons I did that was because I it occurred to me that what I really wanted my reader to do was feel it was a very easy book. So I wanted it to be funny and I wanted it to be easy to be in there, even though there's a lot of really complex ideas and a lot of, you know, there's a big rich world and 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 it's very layered. I wanted it to be a very easy reading experience. Mm -hmm. So I thought the creation of a narrator would really help lead my reader through that book and through that process. Um, so that was very different. And then I also just had to, realized that I had written a book that wasn't as funny as I wanted the book to be. And to fix that, that's like soil. You have to yeah, start. Yeah, that isn't, that isn't oh, online, the, online five, I do this on page six. Mm. No, you have to start again. Yeah. So You I can't just the insert the jokes, can you? Because it's all about character and the banter between characters and the personality between them. Yeah, and the, and the, and the feeling of the author. Mm in the process yeah. of writing like you know if you're cracking yourself up when you write it and if you're not because you were doing it quite seriously and earnestly mm. that's not this book you know this book needed it's so funny that the effortless things take so much work and that's what I wanted this to feel like for the reader I wanted it to feel so 
easy and fun and exciting and escapism. It was after the pandemic and I wanted it to be a world that kids were like, oh, look at all this stuff, mm. this great place. Uh, and to do that, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of work. It takes yeah. a, lot of work and a lot of organizing. Absolutely, I love that. And I, I've spoken to writers before about the things that were effortless to write, and they thought were great. Nobody liked, but the things they laboured over and you know weren't sure of and doubted, people loved. So it's interesting that headspace you're in for writing both of those sort of versions. Mm. Yeah, and I also wanted to play quite lightly with, you know, issues that. Um, were important to me so you know the idea that the main character actually you know Trilby is a very anxious girl uh, but she holds it together in the face of adversity and I wanted that not to be something that was overt and this was a book about an anxious girl but just that these are normal feelings Mm. and that she was really you know she was having a she's thrown into this world that is wild and incredibly dangerous and she has this huge responsibility but and and in that she has to respond and act but she is underneath the surface feeling incredibly anxious Mm. about what to do and how do I do it and how did I how do I get it right and uh, I've made that like a theme through the book without it being about that in a thematic way yeah but I like the idea too because I think for a long time anxiety used to be perceived as a weakness, whereas it doesn't mean you can't still be a strong person. And so I really liked that about the book, that it's present, it's there, but she's still kick-ass. Yeah, I I do, and I, I also admire that about kids. I find that, you know, it's such a common um, feeling, particularly now, and I, I feel like to have that as a feeling you know when you're having so much anxiety and it is almost overwhelming but to still respond to still Mm. turn up to still act that it's such an act of bravery yeah and I like that I really like that about her but I didn't want to make it a big thing Mm. I just wanted to be like and and this is this this wonderful girl who does this who happens to experience this like we all have our stuff that we experience and have to push through yeah now, I love the blurb at the back. Warning, this book contains a truly ridiculous number of delicious cakes, a herd of rude cats, a ramshackle gang of kids, and a dangerous organisation determined to spoil things for everyone, even you. <laughs> Tell me how that came to me. I really liked it. Oh, well, blurbs are always a, you know, they're always a collaborative. A nightmare. <laughs> oh, collaborative, yes. Also, they're yeah. a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a euphemism for a nightmare. They are. Look, it's like writing about yourself. Don't you find that the worst thing when you have to write your own bio? Bio, yeah, it's awful. Hey, it is. Oh, God, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Take is, fill it in yourself, people. <laughs> I, yeah, because it's hard because you, you meant to make yourself sound good, but then you feel like an idiot making yourself sound good. Like, you should never have to write your own bio. It should be illegal. Yeah, it should definitely be illegal. <laughs> the blurb is tricky because you don't want to write that either. Um, but then you get really controlly about it so you're like well actually I've got some thoughts on that Um, (laughs) so it's this really kind of weird thing where you're in between um yeah so uh, I did write quite a bit of that blurb um I like it (laughs) yeah look it's always been a this is a you know a tricky book to put in an elevator pitch because there's a lot of great that happens in it um and you know there's a world outside of time and when I do presentations at schools it just 
all the kids are like, okay, I've got a question about this. How do they live outside of time? You know, how do they bake cakes outside of time? There's just a sea of hands. <laughs> and then enough with the time questions. It's not nonfiction, kids. You don't ask Harry Potter how he did all his stuff. This is what happens. And I've actually had teachers who are like, enough with the time questions. Okay, we are <laughs> not doing that anymore. Uh, but it really sparks all these really amazing questions in the kids mm, about this world that they're in. So um, I enjoy I enjoy that and applying all the logic to it as well. Mm. And it just means they're really immersed in that world if they have those questions. You know, like how how can this happen and how does this work in our world? So that's really cool. Yeah, and I think also because I'm not a big fantasy person and mm. the kind of fantasy that I love is the fantasy where really weird things happen to normal people. Yeah. Rather than sort of high Victorian fantasy, I like yeah. it when it's like, like my favourite book in the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe series was the first one, The Magician's mm. Nephew, where the White Wish, Witch actually comes to London and she's on a chariot going down the street and you're like, what's happening? <laughs> so I think that's the kind of thing where, where there's that clash of Yeah, clash of worlds. Yeah, mm. I love that. I think it's really interesting too, you know, when you're a reader going, oh, well, you know, that could be me and what would I do in that situation? Like that's a lot cooler. I think because everyone can put themselves in in the protagonist's place yeah. yeah and the other really nice thing um I think here that kind of is a, re a, a reflection maybe or an insight about kids that I've observed is that all these kids come from in the book come from different time periods mm -hmm. so they've come from disasters in time which means you've got a kid who survived the Titanic you know there's a boy who has survived um the the atomic bomb in Hiroshima there's these all of these awful disasters and these kids who have no business knowing each other are in have become a family mm. and it's a reflection on the fact that kids can make these extremely strong bonds with with other kids they have no business knowing and you see that on holidays you know when yeah. you make a friend in the pool and you're like who's that and they're like they're my best friend now <laughs> and it's still that, you know, that kids have this incredible ability to make true friendships over very little. Mm, and not be so judgmental. You know, I think when you become an adult, it's like, oh, you know, I think you make friends a bit differently. Whereas kids, like, they don't care what time period you're from, where you're from, who your parents are. They don't care about any of that. If you're fun and you can have a conversation, let's be best friends. Yeah. It's yeah, a great exactly. quality. We should bring that into adulthood. People might think we're a bit weird, though, when we meet people for the first time, <laughs> call them our best friend. <laughs> They will. <laughs> Might get a bit weird. <laughs> now, challenges of writing um, a chapter book versus a picture book. Tell me about that. Oh, it's so much harder. <laughs> I don't know. It's so much harder. I was actually talking to Joel about this today. Uh, for me, writing picture books is a conceptual process. It is about um having an idea or an insight or a concept and then exploring that in a very concise way it is difficult because you have to get that right and you have to feel that it is worthy of a book mm -hmm. but um it is quite enjoyable because you know when you've got that sorted then you get to work with illustrators the collaboration's really nice uh this you know writing a a, a book a novel is a, a process where you have to spend a lot of time in your head. Mm -hmm. You spend time alone um, and you spend time with these characters and you read over the same stuff again and again and again. And for someone like me that likes to get a lot of stuff done and um, 
do a lot of different kinds of satisfying work, it really it slows me down and I have to think um, very hard about getting the whole puzzle right because to me I feel like I'm like princess and the pea. If one pees out over here, it ruins everything. So <laughs> it it really kind of flares up any kind of perfectionism I have about needing the story to feel easy and there's so many moving parts. Yeah. I think it's a very difficult job and I wouldn't advise anyone does it. <laughs> Just so you can have this book standing alone on the bookshelves so everyone buys it. <laughs> I'm not sure why anyone wants to write a book. It's very hard work. <laughs> it's very hard work. And then you have to do your structural edits and you hate them. And But then, look, you have, beautiful, miserable. you have this beautiful book, though, in the end. Look at it. It's beautiful. Yeah, I am proud of it. I do love mm, it very much. I love it too. I love the feel of it. I'm a bit of a weird sort of book feeler and it feels really nice so there's that Kate (laughs) we can stroke it yeah I do I just like the weight of these books too you know it's just a whole lot of things I like about them we won't we won't carry on with that because it can get weird um but I did want to know Kate about the challenges or you know the advantages disadvantages writing with Joel versus not Joel he's not in the room with you is he no no, it's not. I'm in the shed I'm in the writing shed and you know your partner's never listened to your podcast so I think we're safe no, he no, he definitely won't. So that yeah, we, so we're safe. We can say whatever we want. So twenty books so written. Last time he was on a po- I was on a podcast with Adrian Beck. He mm. did crash it. He oh, came that's in, right. Came in dressed as Axel Rose because we had a um yes. that at the same week and crashed yes. it. So. so it's not a photo bomb. It's a pod bomb. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah, I love that. We need more pod bombs. Okay, well I'll let you know if he's you know coming at you in the behind oh, you. Goodness. Um, dressed as Axel Rose or whatever. Terrifying. <laughs> uh, writing without look, this kind of book, I you know, it's really it is fortunate to have um, a writing. You know, I'm sure people with writing groups have this as well, but it is very fortunate to have someone who will listen, who has read your early manuscripts, who you trust who will give you feedback and help you with those bits that you're like, I'm in a plot hole, what do I do here? Because the thing that's really nice about collaborating with another writer is that they will give you ideas that aren't yours, Mm -hmm. like things that don't necessarily work, but they'll, they'll flare something off over there and it just changes the way you're thinking and you go, okay, well, that's not right, but maybe that this would and, and those kind of those kind of stimuluses really help with mm-hmm. uh, with writing. And Joel was really great for that because there are a couple of plot points and he knew what I wanted to do. So I did have a sounding board. So I had the kids and I had Joel and that was really helpful. Uh, the process of writing something like an underdog zoo or a um, bin chickens and things like that, they are, you know, that's a more chatty kind of way to yeah. work. It's very chatty and it's, well, we'll, where are we trying to get to and you know how what would that character do and you know you're kind of throwing it around the same way you would write a film script whereas this is I guess this is a bit different in that sense Hmm, that's really interesting and so no collaboration although you had those sparks of ideas you know from him but I mean it is really you had nothing to do with it nothing 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 to do with it in fact anything you contributed would have made the book worse yeah (laughs) joel we love you we're only joking we had nothing to do with it but it must be weird because did it feel kind of lonely and isolating at times or was this like this is my book 
You know what? I think because I always wanted to write books ever since I was little, it was very um, lovely for me to write this because this is kind of, I felt like a little bit that I was using all of the knowledge and skills that I have developed as a as an author to fulfill a dream that a you know a 12 year old Kate had of writing a book and I think she would be so thrilled about that and that was a very nice thing you know that feeling that that, yeah that that little version would be very Mm. happy to know that that book was on the shelf and so I'm very pleased that that I've been able to do that I like that and that's such a nicer way because I always think of 96 year old Danny and she's always kicking my ass she's like why didn't you just do that you should just do that you shouldn't you know what I mean you should never not do anything so you've got this beautiful child who inspires you i've got this 96 year old danny who kicks my ass all the time and says stop being afraid just go and do it she's really she's oh i have her as well i mean i was talking i was talking about like night like 89 90 (laughs) kate 96 kate yeah she's definitely she's definitely causing trouble yeah she is she's really mean (laughs) 96 year old danny is really mean but she gets me to do stuff because otherwise i would just be like no that's too hard she's like don't be ridiculous do it yeah it's weird those voices in our head we're learning a lot about each other tonight kate <laughs> well look it's de- it's december so maybe we would have had a different conversation <laughs> if it was October. you know sensible it's February. been a long year hasn't it's it a, it's been a long year it has and this is my last um this is my last book thing for the whole year so I'm wow very to, that's exciting you know, loads of book visits and you know and there was five books out this year and mm. it it loads of school talks and this is yeah so this is very nice to be speaking to you as the oh, last i like that that's christmas nice, time it is just you and me yeah <laughs> that's all we need five million listeners don't need exactly we don't need anybody else <laughs> maybe need a few drinks and snacks we should have yeah. thought we that should have yeah that. we should have thought ahead but anyway um now going back to that beautiful 12 year old kate who is very kind unlike 96 year old danny she wanted to write from that age and here you are 20 books in a book of your own that's completely you know your little baby so what is it and my question is usually why do you write and I think I've asked you that before but why was that such an important thing for you from childhood and still clings to you now yeah isn't that funny like that is that's a a question for all authors that one isn't it yeah Um, for me uh it has not been something I have managed to shake and mm. I think that I, I feel like writing helps to create a world in which um, you can kind of make sense of a bit more. And it's not an exact science, but it's always been a voice that I've needed to put out there. And, and I've always liked the voice as well. I've liked the books and I've liked that they were funny. And that's something that... Um, I think when I was really young, though, the books that I were I was writing as a child and as a teenager, and I, you know, wrote all these things when I was in, when I was much much younger, you know, they were very gritty and earnest and um, you know grungy and probably more kind of like a YA type of thing. And what I found, and I couldn't get any. I mean, I was very young, but I couldn't get any of those things published. But the the thing that I began to think was that sometimes you need to come at your own life from the side mm-hmm. and you know writing those things you know the 
the things that appeal to the 96 Danny and the 96 <laughs> K and the, you know, those kind of, you know, really gritty things. Uh, they sometimes you're staring too closely or too directly into that light. And so what I've tried to do is right from the side. And it's mm, really interesting. That, that's been something that has given me that sense of authenticity, mm. but maybe not in the way I had imagined it as a 19-year-old. Mm, I love that. I'm going to give that a lot more thought, Kate. I really liked it. And I also can't wait till 96-year-old Danny meets 96-year-old Kate. They're going to take over the world. We need to do a puberty <laughs> booth like that because I've got a good one. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> but I did like what you said about um, something you can't shake because I think that's absolutely true of, you know, all writers who just who just love writing you know and I I know for me had I not been traditionally published it would have just been one of those massive regrets that I would have carried throughout my whole entire life and you know it's a weird feeling isn't it that that kind of thing that just clings to you and gnaws at you and yeah and it's like you have to do this find the time find the right story and you just have to do this it's an interesting feeling and I like the way you said can't shake it yeah, and I think also, you know, if you're a person who has, you know, these kind of family responsibilities that, you know, when I was younger, I could write after work, you know. Yeah. Uh, now I've got to take kids to choir and, uh, you know, do family stuff and wonder why the things in the kitchen still haven't been put away and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, to have um, to write in the mess of that family life is yeah. and to make sense of it and also contribute not just to my family with these voices, but yeah. so to have other families read that means a means a lot. I really mm. love hearing um, parents tell me that they read my books mm. to their children at night. Like I that's, love that. It's a really lovely thing. I can't believe how much time I thought I didn't have before I had children like I could have written 20 novels but instead I just went out for brunch and slept in (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe how many problems I thought I had yeah right now I'm eating literally I ate my breakfast on the way to school drop off this morning and um didn't have lunch and (laughs) managed to scrap together a dinner life changes a lot And, and, you know, it's incredible that, you know, we have uh, so many of these fantastic, um, you know, female writers and illustrators and uh, and I'm constantly impressed and amazed by those voices. Absolutely. And voices that we need to continue having. And it's been such a delight chatting to you, Kate. I'm honoured that this is the last little bookish thing you do unless you squeeze one in before Christmas. That's it. <laughs> You're done. Bring to the Lilo after this. Oh, I'm coming. <laughs> Save me a seat. <laughs> but no, it's always lovely to chat to you and it's lovely to talk about this book, this little book, Baby Bills. It's all yours and you should be really proud of it. And it was such a great story. And I look forward to the second one. Thanks, Danny.